Our reading this morning is uh, taken from both uh, Genesis and Matthew, um, starting in Genesis on page 5 of the Church Bibles, Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man where are you? he answered I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid turning over the page to verse 22 and the Lord God said The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword flashing to and fro to guard the way to the tree of life. And then turning to page 965, Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. I wonder how you um, prepare for Christmas. 
you know, many of us will get um, Advent calendars out. You know, Advent calendars? Yeah. Do you have chocolate advent calendars? Yeah, I do. Yes, that's I do. I have one. Um, you, you prepare. We get. We get. We decorate the house. We uh, we might put a tree up. You might go to the side of the road by Sainsbury's and get your tree from the guy in his van there. Um, you know, or you, we do all sorts of things, don't we? Uh, we get ready. We we light um, advent uh, candles. But as Stephen's already said, actually, the word advent means coming, uh, and so at Christmas. Um, we remember Jesus' first coming, uh, but also uh, during Advent, uh, we remember his second coming as well, or rather we look forward to his second coming. Uh, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be uh, focusing on these two uh, Advent appearings. Uh, this week, we're, we're looking at Christmas, at a, a people prepared, uh, that as we ourselves uh, get ready for Christmas, we're being reminded and remembering that the, the preparation that Jesus did for us to prepare us. Uh, and then next week, uh, we're looking at a prepared people, uh, looking ahead to actually uh, not Jesus' first coming, we're not looking back, but looking ahead to when he will uh, return. Um, so today, a people prepared. Next week, a prepared people. But with that in mind, uh, let's pray uh, to start. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Uh, we thank you that it is good. Uh, and we thank you for this marvellous, wonderful story uh, of Christmas. And we pray that it wouldn't just be a, a familiar fairy tale that is trotted out, but actually uh, something that brings us deep, deep joy and comfort uh, as we consider uh, what Jesus did uh, for each of us. Amen. Uh, now, uh, last Christmas... I didn't give you my heart. No, um, there you go. So last Christmas uh, was a, a COVID Christmas, wasn't it? Uh, again. Uh, last Christmas was uh, another Christmas where we had that worry about what life might look like. Uh, last Christmas was that, that moment of thinking, if I get COVID, then I'm going to have to isolate. Um, and actually, uh, that's what happened to us last Christmas. So last Christmas, about the 21st of uh, December, uh, Morag and the kids got COVID. I kind of hung on for a bit, and then I went positive on Christmas Eve. And actually, that actually meant that Christmas Day was quite nice, because we were together and all of that. But then about the 27th of December, uh, Morag and the kids were free. They were clear. Way. Um, they went to her parents. I still had those two lines. I was stuck. Uh, I was uh, isolated. Now, if you chat to most parents, he said, look, would you like two or three days on your own doing whatever you like? You go, yes, I would. But when it's kind of forced upon you, when you've not got a choice and suddenly uh, you're, you're apart from your family, it can be really tough. And I found that that bit between Christmas and New Year really hard last year. I just went into cleaning mode. You know, I pulled the tree down on Boxing Day. I was like, right, let's get the house sorted. But it was really hard. That, that sense of isolation, being cut off, was really, really hard. And I guess most of us have experienced that. And I guess maybe, if we're being honest, most of the time it's probably not done to us. It's quite rare that we face a kind of an enforced period of isolation. Uh, more often than not, actually, isolation occurs because we are the ones who cause it to happen. 
We say something or we do something which causes that sort of barrier, causes that difficulty. Uh, Most of the time, uh, we're not helpless victims, we're the offenders, the ones that are the reason for the isolation. And that's the world uh, that we found in Genesis. It it can be quite hard, I think, to to fully comprehend what life was like uh, in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Uh, Every day is the best day. Every day is the best day. No strife, no worry, no sadness, no tears, just pure joy. Knowing one another truly and knowing God truly and being known by him fully. A place of perfect joy, peace and love. A place of the best days. But then... It breaks. Verse 23 of that, um, uh, sorry, verse 6 rather of the Genesis reading. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Uh, that world of perfection, of best days is broken. On that day, uh, a lie entered the world. A lie which Adam and Eve believed that, that God didn't really love them. It's a lie that's perpetuated throughout the whole of history in every human heart. But on that moment, in that exact time, they believed God was withholding something from them, that he didn't love them. And he just broke. That's perfect environment. And then on that moment, two things happened. Uh, The first was that that shame entered the world. Shame entered the world. The second they did the act, they knew, the lights got turned on, if you will, and they knew what they'd done was wrong. They'd been caught, as it were, and found out. So, verse 8, they hid. They they tried to uh, remove themselves from the situation. They tried to hide from God. Uh, They tried to pretend like they weren't there and that God could not see them. I mean, that feeling of shame, I guess, is something that many of us know. That feeling that, um, that you've been caught. That moment when... You've done something and you know other people know about it. I guess it's a, a feeling that many of us know. And in that moment, we've got a choice, really. Uh, we can either um, fess up and say, this is what I've done. Or we can do what Adam and Eve did and try and hide. Uh, and we could hide in all sorts of ways. We, we could literally sort of flee the situation. Uh, we've done something to somebody, so we're, you know, they're walking on the street, I'm going to cross over. I'm just not going to face it. Or I'm not going to that place. Or we, we try and run away. That's one way of hiding. Another way, 
Uh, it's perhaps not physically hiding, but it, it, it's distraction. It's just pretending that, you know, I've done this thing, but if I go on holiday, then I can just forget about it. I can just take my mind away. We distract ourselves in big ways or I'll get my phone out in little ways. That's another way of hiding. Or the third way, it's just, it's just lies. It's just, to, it's just to say, actually, maybe it's not that big a deal. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's not a big thing. It, it, you know, they're not really hurt. We just lie. Lie to ourselves, really. And I guess we all know that, that none of those things work. We do them because actually if we can lessen the problem, if the problem kind of seems smaller or if it's disappeared or if it's out of our eye line, then we lessen the problem so we lessen the pain. But it doesn't change the fact of what's happened. It's not a solution. Adam and Eve hid, but it didn't solve anything. Shame entered the world. That was the first thing. But uh, the second thing was actually that that objectively something changed. Verse 23 of the Genesis reading. So the Lord God banished him, Adam and Eve, from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which they'd been taken. See, because of their sin, they they couldn't stay in. Uh, Because of their sin, they couldn't be of the Lord. Uh, The Lord and sin can't go together. Oil and water don't mix. The sin and the Lord do not mix. The Lord to be the Lord, to be the one who is the perfect, loving, just God, has to act. And so because of that, he had to send them. He had to. Because of their sin, they couldn't go in and Adam and Eve were cast out. Uh, And since that day, since that day, uh, that has been the lot, not simply of, of Adam and Eve, but the lot of everyone who is their child, i.e. every one of the human race. Uh, we face that, that shame has entered the world, that wanting to hide our deeds away from others, indeed away from the Lord. Uh, we face the life away from God, outside of his family, outside of his promise. That's how our story's been. The subjective shame, the objective uh, banishment. We're outsiders. But what can we do to change the situation? Nothing. There's nothing we can do. That's our state, away from God, outside of him. And then the, the Bible story goes on, but, but then we get these words, these wonderful words of Matthew. Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Uh, At that moment, God does something, Uh, which is why we have uh, nativity plates up and down the land, uh, repeating this story over and over again. Now, I I love nativity plates. Has anyone been to see a nativity play yet? I've been to see one. I was at uh, our daughter's last week, and I've got um, our sons uh, coming up this week. Um, I love nativity plates. 
I love everything ab- about them. Um, I, I love it particularly uh, when uh, you see the angel Gabriel trying to outshine Mary. You know, the one she, she wants to be Mary and she's trying to you know, give her a role. I love that sort of almost sort of comedic sort of value that's going on. I love the fact that when you see uh, two little ones walking down uh, an aisle at school with sort of coconuts clapping away, going little donkey. It's brilliant. Um, but my favourite bit of Nativity play is usually toward the end. Um, it's when all the kind of the cast are on the stage. They're gonna, uh, Mary's got the baby and she's kind of doing a good job of looking after the baby, you know, stroking it and doing whatever it might be. Um, and then they, they're going to sing the last song. And if you're really lucky, at that point, Mary will forget she's got a baby. And she'll just start swinging baby Jesus around. You know, just banging him in, into things and, and doing stuff. And that, that to me is the highlight of the nativity. And, and it's the highlight not simply actually because it's slightly amusing and it is quite funny. But actually it's the highlight because at that moment I think nativities are giving us a better picture than you could ever imagine of the Christmas story. Because here's the thing. It would be safer and better for me to give a real baby to that five-year-old nativity. So say, go, go look after this baby. Go, go do it properly in their nativity than it would be for God himself to enter into humanity. That's why I love nativities. Because we think it's absurd this little girl is having a baby. Well, tell you what, it's more absurd that God would come to this world. That's why I love nativities. It's just amazing to think that God, the one who made heaven and earth, the one who had to send Adam and Eve out of the garden, the one who we face the shame of, says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step in to that world. And more than that, I'm not going to kind of step in uh, as some uh, sort of powerful figure that just walks into the high and powerful moments of life. He steps in as a baby. The most vulnerable. He advents to us. He comes to us. That's amazing. That actually that, that we who have been cast out outside are the ones who the Lord walks towards. And why? Well, Stephen mentioned it. He came to act. He came to do something. Imagine that um, a child steals some money from a parent. Money that was going to be used for Christmas Day. They steal it for themselves. They take it. And they're caught. They go up to their room. They shut the door. They hide themselves in the bedroom as well as perhaps being sent there. They don't want to be seen. But what does the parent do? The parent could say, well, they've stolen the money. They deserve to be in there. Well, in this story, the parent would go upstairs, knock on the door. But more than that, actually, They wouldn't simply knock on the door. They wouldn't simply stand outside saying, I know how you're feeling. Uh, No, they would knock on the door. They would go in and say, look, your debt is paid. 
You don't need to be ashamed. Your debt is gone. You're part of the family. I love you. We've paid the debt. Jesus came. He, we may have run ourselves away in shame. We may have distanced ourselves. We may have been sent away. But the Lord in himself came to, to remove our shame. To say, your debt is paid. He came to remove our banishment. He came, verse 21, to save his people from their sins. To free them. That's why he came. Jesus first advented. He first came to save us, to prepare us to deal with our sin and shame. He came for us. That's why Christmas is so special. Because in that moment, we remember God entering our world. He didn't need to. He didn't have to. He chose to. So what does that mean? Well, well first, it might mean maybe, maybe you've not um, heard of Christmas in that way before. Maybe you're, you're watching online and you've never really thought of Christmas in those terms. And then, then come to Hope Explored. Those sessions where we, we move forward with the baby Jesus to the man Jesus and look particularly at, not at Christmas but at Easter. Come find out for yourself. But, but also it, it means that, that the hope the Christian has is more deeper and real than anything. The hope that we have at Christmas shines bright in the deepest darkest, darkness. I know that Christmas can be hard. Maybe this Christmas would be really hard for you. I've got a friend, uh, she's in her 80s now, uh, and her, her husband died about 23 years ago, but she still says she finds Christmas the hardest day of the year. She feels alone. But we're told here, aren't we? We're reminded, verse 23, Emmanuel. God with us. So the, the Christian hope at Christmas is that in our, our deepest, darkest moments, when we feel rock bottom, when we, we feel alone, the whisper comes, you are not. You are not alone. The, uh, the American pastor, David Platt, has said, and followers of Jesus don't always know where they're going but they always know who they are with. Jesus is with his people. Uh, not just a kind of a, uh, an objective fact 2,000 years ago. He came 2,000 years ago. He was with his people then. But today, he is with his children every day to bring them home. Christmas is a time, therefore, of great joy. And so, enjoy. Enjoy Christmas. And I don't say, I mean enjoy Christmas in the, the way of, you know, enjoy the John Lewis Christmas advert and pigs in blankets. Although they could both be good. No, I, I mean, enjoy the deep down 
truth of Christmas. The, the, the truth that we cling to, that God is with us, the fact that, that, that God is clinging to us and will not forsake us and let us go. That's the truth to hold on to. That's why we decorate our house. We don't decorate the house to try to sum up some emotional joy to think, isn't it nice that we've got lights in the house? No, we decorate the house because of the joy of Christmas, because of this wonderful, amazing truth. Uh, that's why uh, we decorate our house in the first week of Advent. Because actually we want to lift up and build up to that moment. Uh, we want uh, our house to be a house of great Christian joy at Christmas. That runs deep and holds deep. Uh, we want to try to help our, our children to do that through uh, reading stories with them. By having uh, free-flowing fun. Because actually... If Christians can't be the happiest at Christmas, then something's not right. And we talk about joy, and I I said happiness then, but actually I mean joy. Because I know happiness comes and goes. And I know that Christmas time arguments often are a higher frequency. They usually are in our house, at least anyway. But actually, there is joy, deep, deep joy that goes beyond circumstance and reaches down to the pit of our our darkest and hardest moments and says, I am with you. So enjoy Christmas. But then secondly, come. Come. Come to uh, all the the various things that are happening. You can grab these leaflets and tell us what's going on. We've heard some of the things happening this afternoon, the the afternoon, the the Christmas carol service next week. But come, not just to those, but, but come to church. Uh, Come to be with other people. Come to a place where you can tangibly be shown that God is with you. That you're not alone. Come. Come and hear. Come and share. Uh, Thirdly, as Stephen said at the beginning, sing. Uh, We we sing when we're happy. We sing when we're sad. Uh, We sing to, to fill our heads, our hearts and our homes uh, with wonderful truths. Uh, whether that be uh, uh, carols that you used to sing as a child, uh, whether that be new songs that are made, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just fill your head and your heart and your home uh, with wonderful truths that help us to be grounded, to remember, to celebrate our God made low, uh, who came, who left the glory of heaven and to come to meet us outside. And lastly, uh, prepare. I've said that that we've been prepared by Jesus, and that's true, we have been. And so because we've been prepared, we today can do things to help ourselves to remember that day. It might be that you're using uh, this little book uh, day by day through Advent. I hope it's been, if you are, I hope it's been helpful. Kind of a wonderful way of just day by day getting into this wonderful story. It might be that you have a, a set prayer as you pray. You might light a candle. You might do all sorts of things. But actually, just as we've put, booked our Tesco slots and got all our Christmas presents and things in line, let's prepare ourselves for this day. Not because it's going to change how God feels about us, but we'll just help ourselves to remembering the truths that we have. And so finally... Happy Christmas.
And when we say happy Christmas, I'm not saying happy Christmas. I know you're feeling rubbish, but put some antlers on and you'll be okay. I'm saying happy Christmas. If you're feeling at the bottom, we have one who is God with us, who comes to us and says, I am with you. But more than with you, I am always with you and I will bring you hope. I've come to meet you. And if you're feeling, hi, happy Christmas, God loves you. So when we say happy Christmas, we're not just welling up false feelings of festive warmth. We're saying this is the greatest news the world has ever heard. God is with us. He has come. He's coming again. But for today, he's come. He's come to save, to bring an outside people back home. Happy Christmas.